Turn again to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, good to be back tonight, and I hope you've got your card. If you were here last night, we gave you a faith promise card, or you received one from the ushers last night. We ask you uh, to pray, and we're going to ask you again tonight. If you haven't, if you haven't, uh, see me after the service. I'll give you a couple demerits uh, for not having prayed, um, but would you please take one of these cards and be praying about what the Lord would have you to do this year in your faith promise missions commitment. And uh, we said last night, really, you only have two, two choices here, obedience or disobedience. God calls every single Christian to be involved in the Great Commission. And that means that you and I should be going personally with the gospel. We should be actively soul winning. I think all of us should have somebody we're currently trying to win to the Lord at all times. But it also means sending people as well and uh, sending people where we cannot go. And uh, that has always been God's plan. It is God's plan now. And so pray and ask the Lord how, you would, how he would have you to participate. And we're talking about walking by faith. Remember, we said that without faith. Faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and a rewarder of them that diligently uh, seek him. And so uh, we want to take this offering and give it by faith. And in Matthew chapter 14, we're learning about how to walk by faith and how do I decide whether this is faith or by sight and, and how, do I, how do I carry out a walk by faith? How do I serve the Lord by faith? We've been looking uh, last night, we began to look at Peter who takes this incredible walk of faith. You and I have never met anybody who has walked on water. Um, you know, they, they say up in Canada they walk on water all the time. Problem is it's frozen. And, uh, you know, so that doesn't really count. We don't know anybody in history who has walked on water other than the Lord Jesus Christ and Peter. And so he's a great example for us about how to walk on faith. And last night we saw three things, if you remember, that uh, Peter did to start that walk of faith that I want to encourage you to do as we're looking at a walk of faith this week. Remember, start off by calling unto the Lord. Lord, if it be thou, bid me come. So call to the Lord. Never start a journey of faith without calling unto the Lord. Number two, make sure that not only have you called on the Lord, but wait for confirmation from the word. Lord, if it, bid thou, if it be thou, bid me come. And, and then Peter waited until the Lord said, come. Remember, there's a difference between presumption and permission. And so we, we spoke about that last night. And then number three, as the Lord gives that confirmation in his word, and we said last night, remember, we think, well, I'll pray about this for the next year. No, you can't pray about this for the next year. Well, do pray about it for the next year, but you need an answer for what you're going to write on this card by Sunday. Or I, I don't know how Pastor does it uh, in, in Arizona. We would take our cards up on that first Sunday and actually for the next three Sundays following. Uh, but, you know, you could, put a, you could put a time limit on that thing and tell the Lord, I need to know by. He is, after all, your father. And he calls, uh, he invites us to come boldly to his throne with our request and, and to find help in a time of need. You have a need right now. You have a need to be involved with Faith Promise Missions. You have a need to be involved with supporting missionaries. And I think you can do that and not be rude. I, I used the example last night. I said, you know, if my son came to me and said, Dad, I'd like to use the car this Friday night. And by the way, I'd like to know by Friday night if I could use the car. He's not being rude. That's just a reasonable request. 
And so if you were to say to the Lord, I, I want to participate, I want to do it by faith, would you please let me know how much, and would you set a time limit over that? And, and again, maybe it's this Sunday, and I would encourage you to do that. I don't, I don't know that you have to spend a long, long time. Maybe it's by next Sunday. Uh, but uh, you say, Lord, let me know when. And, and, and I believe that that's a, we saw from the word that that's an answer the Lord, or a prayer the Lord will answer. And once he does that, carry out your part. So that when Peter heard the Lord say, come, he actually got out of the boat. And remember, when he was in the boat, he was in the center of God's will until Jesus said, come. And when Jesus said, come, if he had stayed in the boat, now he's out of the will of God until he gets out of the boat. And so make sure you carry out your part. Let's continue on in the text tonight, and we're going to focus mostly on uh, verse number uh, 29. And so for sake of time this evening, I'm going to read Matthew 14 and just verse number 29. We know the context. I think Pastor said everybody who is here tonight, I don't know that, but he said everybody who is here tonight uh, was here last night. Raise your hand if you weren't here last night. Raise your hand if you're here tonight. Yeah, that's what I thought. By the way, I never saw a pastor take an offering the way pastor did just a few minutes ago. Let me see if I can squeeze another penny out of it. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> I, wish, I, I should have tried that in Arizona. <laughs> Matthew 14 and verse number 29 is going to be our verse for this evening. Peter is in the boat with other disciples. They've been ministering with the Lord earlier in the day, the feeding of the 5,000 men and then women and children besides has taken place. Jesus has sent them into a boat in the uh, Sea of Galilee. He says, you go start rowing to the other side. I'll meet you over there. And in the third hour or the fourth watch of the night or the, about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus comes and meets them as they're in the middle of a storm. And in verse 29, the Bible says, and he said, come, Jesus said, come in response to what Peter had asked him. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Our Father, we would ask that you would please bless our time in the word this evening and that you will speak to every heart and, and Lord, just be glorified in decisions that we will make this evening and through the week uh, based upon the word of God. And Lord, we're so thankful tonight that you don't call us to a blind faith, to a leap of faith, as some people uh, would call it. But faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And that word is forever settled in heaven. And so we're glad and we're thankful tonight uh, that we can make our decisions as we walk by faith on the forever settled word of God. And Lord, we could certainly not ask for anything more than that. Thank you for the salvation that we have in our Savior, the Lord Jesus. And Lord, we're asking that as a result of this conference, that around the world, as missionaries are supported and new ones taken on for support, that souls will be saved. And Lord, that you will be honored and glorified in that, not only in this time, but for all eternity. Because every soul that is saved is a, a soul that will give you honor and glory for all eternity. And so we're thankful for that this evening and the, the awesome opportunity that we have uh, to participate in something that makes an eternal difference. So bless this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I read an article a little bit ago uh, from Google, and you know Google is out there. They're gonna, they're the ones that are gonna do everything. They get the answer to everything. It seems like if you know, uh, how many of you have heard somebody say, you know, what is this? And somebody says, I don't know. Google it. 
And we live in a world where, it th where everybody thinks Google has the answer, and I think it's gotten to Google's head, because now Google actually thinks they have the answer to everything as well. And I read an article recently, not too terribly long ago, and it was, it was uh, about Google's latest attempt to cure mankind from death. Google is going to cure mankind from death, so they claim. Uh, here's an excerpt from the article. It says, it's, the it's an ancient question. Will humankind ever triumph over old age? Ask $410 billion internet search giant Google that question, and you'll hear that it is possible. In fact, the alphabet soup of Google's reorganization is now holding, com uh, now its new holding company, rather, uh, will soon be managing Coleco, a biotech with the explicit aim of defeating old age. It goes on and says, Google's crazy moonshots are well known, particularly since the company often defies the odds and succeeds. But we're not talking about creating self-driving cars or translating the web into 64 languages. We're talking about extending human life indefinitely, defying death. While many companies are focused on diseases, virtually no one is trying to target the cellular degradation involved in aging, which causes many diseases and eventually death, except Coleco, as Time Magazine put it when Google's CEO Larry Page announced that the subsidiary formation hopes to, and I quote him, cure death. Google's not the first group on earth to try to cure death, to try to beat death. And, and they would have us to believe, I think, today that Google is mankind's best shot at defeating death. That is unless you believe the Bible, unless you believe the eternally settled word of God. Uh, because you and I as Bible believers know something, that death is not going to be beat by mankind. Death was brought into this, to this world because of mankind. It's not going to be cured by mankind. God never intended, uh, though, for man to be eternally separated from him, and so God has sent a cure. And its name isn't Google. His name is Jesus. And, and so, you know, the Bible is very clear that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And no matter what Bible version you read, and I, I hope you're holding a King James Bible tonight, but no matter what Bible version you read, uh, even, even if it's in a foreign language, I guarantee you, even if it's in Italian, I know my French Bible does not say that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Google. And I don't think you're ever actually going to read somebody who's so ignorant or bold or however you want to say it, audacious, to come up with a Bible translation. No matter how far off they get on the Bible translation, it's not going to say that the gift of God is eternal life through Google. But Google wants you to believe that tonight. It seems abundantly clear and obvious to me, and I'm sure to you this evening, that like everybody else who has tried, Google is going to fail miserably at their attempt to cure death. Amen. Aren't you glad tonight that your hope isn't in Google? Yes, sir. That your hope is in Jesus Christ? That you're not trusting in 
Google, but in Jesus. So that you and I can read, and we're about three weeks off now from celebrating the most important day in Christianity, Resurrection. I know we say Resurrection Sunday is every Sunday for a Christian. Resurrection Day is every day for a Christian. But we mark on Easter Sunday something that no other belief system in the world marks. The resurrection, the bodily resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Islam doesn't have that. Muhammad's dead, and you can visit his grave. You can visit the grave of Charles Taze Russell, and you can visit the grave of John Smith, who's the Mormon's founder, or Brigham Young, and you can visit the graves of all of these, and you'll find some bones in those graves. But if you go to where Jesus was put in a grave, guess what? It's empty. So that you and I can read, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory. And that is the victory over death in the context through Jesus Christ our Lord. And, 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 and that Jesus has conquered the grave and has conquered death. And that he offers eternal life to all that will receive him is tied also this incredible promise about the work of God. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You know, the truth of the matter is there are numbers of people in Christianity today who would tell you and I who are here at a Faith Promise Missions Conference for the purpose of worldwide evangelization to reach 7.8 billion people with the gospel on planet Earth. There are plenty of people who would tell you and I it's impossible. It cannot be done. That what you're trying to do is absolutely impossible. And you look around tonight and we are not large in number. And the truth of the matter is many churches during a missions conference aren't going to be very large in number. And many people stay away. And I think some of them stay away because they know we're going to talk about money eventually. And people don't like that. But I think some of them stay away because they have bought the lie that, hey, what you're trying to do is impossible. How are you going to reach 7.8 billion people with the gospel? How are you going to, how are you going to reach uh, uh, Italy? But Brother Hornbeck's trying to do that. He said, look, I've, I've, anybody who's been on a foreign field knows that what happened at Babel was not a funny thing with languages. He's got to go through an interrupter or an interpreter to teach his Sunday school class so he can learn a language so that he can give the gospel to people. And people will say, that's impossible. Brother Ornbeck, I don't, I don't know how old you are, and I don't mean any offense, but I know that you are older than I was when I tried to learn French. And when I went to French class, the first thing my teacher said to me to encourage me, he said, hey, you ain't no spring chicken. You ain't going to learn French. What you're trying to do is impossible. It was impossible for me, but I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And, and God let me preach for the first time after my first language school class 11 months later and from that point forward preached in French. I can't do that. My wife will tell you I don't have the brains to do that. But God can make me able to do that. And we have a mindset that says, look, it, you can't reach the world with the gospel. It's not going to happen. 
So why waste your time with a missions conference? Why waste your time praying over these missions cards that we've asked you to pray over and, and consider giving on Sunday? Why do that? Because you're not going to be able to do it. That's what they had to have us to believe. But they would also have us to believe that it's impossible to walk on water, yet Peter did. Jesus did. And, and what I want us to see tonight is this. As we, as we call on the Lord in our step of faith, and as we confirm that in the word, and as we carry out our part, the next part is so exciting to me because guess what? We begin to conquer the impossible. Because Google can't do it. But I know from history, because my Bible says that the early church turned the world upside down with the gospel, it can be done. But it can only be done if we do it by faith. The problem is, we're walking by sight. We think, well, you know, if I just look at this thing by sight, I would agree with everybody else. It's impossible to reach 7.8 billion, billion people with the gospel. Brother Hornbeck, do you know how many people are in our military now? How many millions? I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I know it's millions. About 9 million military members. Let's be honest. How are we even going to reach 9 million members of our military if we're just looking by sight? How, how, is, how is Harvest Baptist Church going to reach New Hartford and Torrington with the gospel if we're just looking by sight? Let's be honest, we're not. But if we walk by faith, then God says, is anything too hard for me? I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And guess what? You can look up the word all in the Greek and guess what it means? All. Peter conquered the impossible when he got out of the boat. He walked on water. And you know what? That is absolutely astounding as you think about that. That Peter walked on water. But when you think about it again and you think about who he was walking with, we shouldn't be surprised. He was walking with the same Jesus who conquered the grave, who brought the cure for death, who is the cure for death, who is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by him. He's walking with that Jesus. With men it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Is anything too hard for this Jesus that we serve? When it was impossible for men to cure the nobleman's son, Jesus cured him. When the fishermen couldn't catch fish, Jesus said, hey, you're putting your net in the wrong place. This is where you fish. And they brought in a haul of fish. When Peter's mother-in-law couldn't be cured, Jesus said, oh, I can take care of that. When the lepers were outcast, Jesus said, hey, I can, I can help. When the centurion's servant couldn't be healed, Jesus only needs to speak a word. Jesus raised a widow woman's son from the dead. He stilled the storms and he cured two demoniacs. 
He cured those who were paralyzed, and he cured the the ruler, uh, the 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 the, the uh, Jairus's daughter. He cured uh, the woman who had an issue of blood for thirteen years. For thirteen years, doctors said, "Hey, what you're asking us to do, it's impossible. We have no cure for you." Our son, Caleb, when we were in Canada, uh, we would take him to doctors all the time. He had, a, he had a, a disease that's literally like 26 letters long or something, you know, and it's the Google disease of, of diseases, I guess. And they told us, hey, this thing, there's no cure. Uh, we went to a guy who was, the, who was the head of the GI clinic for the Mayo Clinic. I mean, they're renowned. He looked at me and he said, I've never seen a case like your son's in my life. Here's a, here's a year's worth of prescription that isn't even meant to be taken by children. It's the best hope we've got. Come see me in a year. Maybe we'll have another answer. But when Christians started praying and God got involved, uh, he's still alive today serving in the Marines and fine. They told that woman, hey, 13 years, we can't cure you. Jesus said, oh, that's not a problem. She said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I could be healed. He, he caused the blind to see and the, the dumb to talk and the deaf to hear. And he called a, an invalid man at the pool of Bethesda to walk again. And he restored a man's uh, withered hand. And he, uh, he, he fed at least 4,000 people on one occasion from a little handful of food. And then he, and this very day that Peter walks on water with Jesus. He had just fed 5,000 men, women and children beside by some bread and some fish that wouldn't have fed one person. So as we look at the text and we look at what Peter is doing, we say, wow, this is amazing. Peter walked by on water. Nobody's ever done that before. And I don't suggest that you probably try to do it right now because I don't know that Jesus is looking to do those kind of miracles. But I do know that he wants the gospel to reach the uttermost parts of the earth. And I think if we would say to him, Lord, whatever you want me to do in reaching the world with the gospel, would you bid me come? I believe that you and I will hear Jesus say, come. And that we could conquer the impossible with the gospel. Have you ever thought about what was going through Peter's mind when he got out of the boat? Have you ever wondered what did he expect to have happen? Do you think that Peter was surprised when he stepped out of the boat and he began to walk on water? Have you ever just stopped to think about that? Do you think that those who were in the boat with Peter and watched him get out of the boat, now they probably, they probably even weren't surprised at what he said because they were just used to him saying stupid things. Lord, if it be thou, bid me come. We talked about that last night. If it be thou. <laughs> you know, uh, just testing this thing out. So they might not even be surprised that it was Peter. I know of everybody of, of all the disciples, we expect Peter to be the one to, to make this request. But do you think they were surprised when he got out of the boat and they said, whoa, he's really doing it? I don't think so. I don't think so. In fact, I believe the text proves that Peter fully expected that he was going to walk on water when Jesus called him. Verse 29 again says this, and he said, Jesus said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. 
And that verse, the grammar of it tells us that Peter got out of the boat in such a way that he actually expected to walk on water. And that all of his actions are kind of an uninterrupted sequence. When we read in verse 29 that Peter was come down out of the ship, the idea of that phrase is that Peter literally was stepping out of the boat and getting ready to walk downstairs or to walk just like I am. And guess what? I fully expect that I'm going to be able to continue walking. There's no doubt in my mind. I, I, there was no question in my mind that when I hit the bottom step, I was going to be able to continue walking. That's the idea of verse number 29, that Peter got out of the boat that way. Now, Peter's a fisherman. We covered that last night. He, he's raised on the water. If you've been around water and you've been in boats, how many of us know that you don't get out of a boat unless you're goofing off like that? In fact, there's another place in the scriptures where Peter is going to meet Jesus and he gets out of a boat to do it. You don't need to turn there, but it's in John chapter 21. And Jesus is on the shore at this time, you remember? And this was another time where Peter and the disciples were confused and they didn't instantly recognize Jesus. But when John recognized that it was Jesus... John said, hey, it's the Lord. And the Bible says that Peter got in the water that time to meet Jesus the way you would expect somebody who's familiar with getting out of a boat, get in the water. He dove in. He cast himself into the water. Why do we do that? Because that's the best way to be able to start swimming. And when you're in water way over your head and the sea is storming and raging, you don't get out of the boat this way. You dive in, if you're expecting to swim, because that's the best way to continue swimming. But if you expect to walk on water, you come down out of the boat. And the text tells us Peter expected that he was going to walk on water. Why would he expect that? Because it was Jesus who said, come. It wasn't Google who said come. It wasn't just some other man who said come. It was Jesus. And Peter knew what Jesus was capable of. He had just seen him feed 5,000 men, women and children beside. He was looking at Jesus walking on the water. And when he came down out of the boat... I'm sure Peter didn't know or understand exactly how Jesus could make it happen. That's the faith part. He didn't know how he could do it, but I'm sure he knew he could do it. And you look at this faith promise card and you say, God, I don't know how we're going to do this. Can I help you? Don't try to figure out how. You're, you're trying to live by sight. When you try to figure out how, you're trying to live by sight. If I were going to try to figure out how my family and I are, are living right now without any income really at all, 
No salary from the church, no supporting churches uh, to speak of, really. That's, that's not true. We do have, we have one that, I told you last night, we have one that uh, has supported us faithfully to help us get to Camp Bimmy, two who are sporadic. But that doesn't even pay a week's groceries. I, I'm not asking you to feel sorry for me, but I'm telling you if I were gonna try to figure out how, I'd be back in Arizona real quick. And if Peter were gonna try to figure out how, I don't know if he would've ever got out of the boat. And if you're gonna try to figure out how, then whatever you write on this card on Sunday is probably not gonna be faith. But if you'll say, God, I've called unto you. You've confirmed it in your word. Now I'm getting out of the boat. And I'm expecting, I'm expecting you to do the impossible. You can have that kind of confidence. You can have that kind of surety because this isn't Google. This is Jesus. This is the one who conquered death. And if he conquered death, what can't he do? Let me ask you a question. As you read Matthew 14 in your daily devotions, as you go through your Bible maybe once a year or something, and you come to Matthew 14 and you read that Peter walked on water, have you ever really been surprised that he walked on water? You may be surprised at his question, maybe surprised that he actually followed through when Jesus said come, but are you actually really surprised that Jesus could make him walk on water? I would venture a guess there's nobody in this room who's surprised that Jesus could do that. And if you're not surprised that Jesus could make him do that, let me ask you a question. Why are you hesitant and fearful and second-guessing what God's asking you to do? Well, that was Peter. This is me. Why? Are you surprised and hesitant and wonder and want to know all the how's he going to do it? I feel like the Lord's maybe leading me in this direction. Maybe he's calling me to this ministry or he's calling me to the mission field or he's calling me to up my, uh, my faith promise missions giving this year so more missionaries can go. And I know my checking account. And just like most people, there's usually more month than there is money. And I don't know how God's going to make it work, so I don't think I could go through with it. But I'm not surprised that Jesus could make Peter walk on water. Do you know how ridiculous that sounds? Let me help you with something. Pretty much everything the Lord calls you and I to do is going to be something that he asks us to do that you and I in our lifetime, with all our cunning intellect and intelligence, could never figure out. Because if we could, he would not be calling you and I to walk by faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. And in our Christian walk, Jesus will call us to some places that are absolutely humanly impossible to accomplish. 
When I sat with our realtor to sell our home in Arizona a few weeks ago, and pray for us if you would, please. We had our appraisal today. We're waiting on the results of that. It's supposed to close on April the 19th, and it would be, it would be nice to close on April the 19th um, because my girls like to eat. And so um, if you could just kind of pray about that, we would appreciate it. But when I sat with my realtor, I said to him, I said, I don't, you hear this all the time. I've got to get as much money out of this house as we possibly can. He said, oh, no, no, nobody ever tells me that. And I said, yeah, but let me tell you why we have to get as much money as we possibly can. And I explained to him what we were doing, how we were leaving a salary and all of that. And he said, wow, that's, that's really that's really something. And I said, yeah, as Christians, we call it faith. And it opened up a door to have a conversation about the gospel. Now, he couldn't understand really why or how or any part of it, to tell you the truth, I'm sure. But as a Christian tonight, as you're going to walk by faith, your faith is small if you don't expect to conquer the impossible. You should be expecting to conquer the impossible as you walk by faith. Whether you're witnessing to somebody, by the way, do you know that you do not have the finesse, the cunning, or the ability, I don't care how great your illustration is or how good your story is about, or your testimony about salvation, you do realize tonight that you have never birthed anybody into the family of God. So if you've ever witnessed to anybody and they've gotten saved, you understand that you saw the impossible accomplished. Because you and I can't do that. So whether we're witnessing or we're working for the Lord or we're worshiping by our tithes and offerings and the money that we give to send missionaries around the world, we should expect to conquer the impossible. William Carey was right when he said, attempt great things for God, expect great things from God. You say, but I'm not Peter and I'm not William Carey. That's okay. Because what I've learned is God does not call those who are qualified, but he qualifies those who are called. Think about your Bible. Jacob was a cheater. Peter had a tempter. David had an affair. Noah got drunk. Jonah ran from God. Paul was a murderer. Gideon was insecure. Miriam was a gossiper. Martha was a worrier. Thomas was a doubter. Sarah was impatient. Elijah was depressed. Moses stuttered. Zacchaeus was too short. Abraham was too old. Timothy was too young. And Lazarus was too dead. But God used them all. So how come he can't use you? You say, but what God's asking me to do is impossible. You recognize when he said, Lazarus, come forth, it was impossible for Lazarus to come forth. When he said, Peter, yeah, yeah, come up to me on the water, it was impossible for Peter to get out there on the water. When he told Noah, hey, build this ship, it had never even rained on the earth. When you walk by faith, you should expect to conquer the impossible. Whether that means winning one soul to Jesus Christ or upping your faith promise missions uh, offering this year by five, 10, 15, 2500 dollars. 
You should expect to conquer the impossible. And remember, I said last night, I'm not calling you, I'm not asking you to, uh, uh, to make some blind faith, leap of faith decision. I'm asking you to make a decision based on this. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So call to the Lord, confirm it in his word, but then carry out your part and expect that God is going to, through you, because that's what faith promise missions giving is, God giving through us what he might not otherwise give to us, expect to conquer the impossible. And I'm telling you right now, if you're not expecting to conquer the impossible as you walk by faith, I don't mean to be rude, but maybe it's a wake-up call. You need to increase your faith. And then notice this with me, and this is the last thing for tonight. As Peter got out on the water and began to conquer the impossible, notice with me that he was careful to keep his eyes on Jesus as he began to walk. The Bible says Peter came down out of the ship. He walked on water to go to Jesus. To go to Jesus. You know, Peter's that kind of showboat kind of guy, right? He didn't get out there and go, whoa, look at me. And start walking this way over here. Hey, guys, check this out. This is cool. Look at me over here. No, he had one thing. I got to get to Jesus. I got to get to where Jesus is. Be careful to keep your eyes on Jesus when you're walking by faith. Years ago, I was exceptionally afraid of heights. It seems strange to me that I was because I loved to climb trees. I grew up in an area where I could climb the old um, high-tension pylons that we have around, you know, the metal ones that they've done away with, and I would climb on those, and I would climb trees. But you get me near the edge of a cliff, and it only had to be about this high. I froze. I was scared out of my wits, scared to death. I don't like to be scared of anything. I, it's not my thing. My favorite thing to say, my wife will tell you, is what's the worst that could happen? I, I, I just don't like to be afraid of things. So I usually am doing things that probably I shouldn't do because I don't want to ever be afraid of anything. But I was scared to death of heights. Well, how do you conquer your fear of heights? You find a friend who's a rock climber. And I had a friend who was a rock climber. And I said, hey, I want to go rock climbing with you, but I'm afraid of heights. And he said, yeah, you can come. I don't know if he knew how afraid of heights I was. And we would go out and... He always wanted me to repel before I climbed. You know, that's the part where you walk down the cliff first. I don't know if he was testing me out or what he was doing, but he said, you, you, gotta, you gotta repel. And we'd get the rope there and it would get all hooked in and I'd be hooked in and he'd show me, he'd, he'd yank on it. He'd say, see, you're safe, you're fine. And I would get real close to the edge of the cliff and I would freeze. And there was no way I could take that step backwards. And there was that rope 
tangible, solid. I could see it. I could see the things it was anchored to. But I just couldn't have faith in that rope. I just couldn't believe it would hold me. So I would chicken out. Now, when you rock climb, you need a partner. And I was this guy's partner, and he wanted to rock climb. Well, I would chicken out, so we'd have to go home. And I would chicken out, and we'd have to go home. And he let me keep coming for like four, five, six times. He let me come. But I chickened out every single time. And one day he just got frustrated. He said, that's it. You're done. I'm not taking you out here any longer. I said, whatever. Let's go home. I'll get over my fair height some other way. This is stupid. Only crazy people would do this. Besides, you're a weirdo. But he was mad. I mean, he was rip-roaring mad. He was my best friend at the time, and, and uh, he didn't talk to me the whole way home. We were walking through a field, and, and uh, I said, man, I think there's some poison ivy over here. He said, good, I hope you get some. I mean, he's just mad. No, I'm upset because my friend's upset, and I want him to be my friend still, and I called him later on in the day, and, and I said, hey, let's go back. Same day, let's go back. No way. I said, no, man, I promise, I promise, I promise I'll do it. No, 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 no. Well, somehow I finally talked him into it. We got back, got all tied in and everything, and I was petrified. Put me in a maximum security prison with, with, with killers surrounding me. I'm uncomfortable. That says something about me. I never really was petrified on my job with the prison system. Put me near the edge of that cliff. I was petrified. But I promised my friend I'll do it. And I got all hooked in and I took a step back. Now I'm over the edge. And guess what? The rope held. I took another step down and the rope held. And then I made a vital, vital mistake because I looked back over my shoulder to catch a glimpse of the view. And I froze, just flat out froze. Now, what do I do? I can't get back up. I can't get back down. I'm looking over here. My knees are knocking and I am just as afraid as you could possibly be. I don't know what I'm going to do until my friends started screaming at me. Tony, focus, focus. I don't even, you know, I don't even know what he said that day exactly. I know it, it just was, it was just, it, he, he could have said anything under the sun. I wasn't hearing him. Nothing was registering. I'm just looking, thinking, what am I doing? But I did hear him say this eventually. Hey, Tony, look at the rock. Look at the rock. And you know what? When I came back from looking at nothing and got my eyes back on the rock, all of a sudden, I felt like I was stable again. And all of a sudden, I could make it down. And from that day forward, I learned how to go rock climbing and became really a great favorite sport of mine. And, and uh, you know, if you've ever been to Yosemite National Park, you look up at maybe El Capitan or some of those granite monoliths that are there. Absolutely amazing what God created. And you look at them, and one thing you get in your mind is they are solid. 
and I could trust them. And if I'm anchored to them, I'm going to be okay. Can I remind you? Jesus is your rock. Jesus is your rock. He's our firm foundation. He's our cornerstone. He will give you strength to finish the walk. He will give you stability while you walk. He is the bedrock of everything we believe. He is as sure as can be. You know, you, you think about those granite monoliths in Yosemite and how sure and certain they are, and they're the epitome of stability in the realm of nature. But Jesus is the epitome of stability in the realm of eternity. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you know, I, I'm not really sure what the other men thought when Peter said to Jesus, if it bid, be thou bid me come. And Peter got out of that little ship and he started walking on the water towards Jesus. Maybe someone thought he's crazy. Maybe someone thought he's, he's insane. Why would he do that? That is, that is just so far out. Can I tell you that if you will walk by faith, there will be some people who will say, you're crazy, you're insane. I was talking to a man in my church and, and I was telling him the story about talking to my realtor and I said, you know, I, I felt bad because I didn't want to call my realtor a swine but I felt like I was throwing pearls before a swine because he couldn't figure any of it out, this, that, and the other and I, I probably shouldn't even have had the conversation with him but it did open up a door to talk about the gospel and, and my, my friend said to me, the man in the church said to me, he said, hey, listen, most Christians don't understand what you're doing right now. I'm not patting myself on the back, I'm not. But I do know from history and from experience that if you will walk by faith, I know by watching this pastor right here, when people said to him, you can't build this building. What you're trying to accomplish is impossible. That building's not gonna be built. And I guarantee you there were times, because I was here, when there were people who said, that's impossible. When the foundation was being dug and we were waist deep in mud. But here you sit. And I don't know what they were thinking. They thought, he's crazy. Maybe some of them thought, hey, if I could just stay in the boat, it'll be safe here. Well, I don't know why. Because the boat gave them a false sense of security. Remember what the Bible says? The boat was being tossed about in the waves. They, I love roller coasters. I'm not afraid of heights any longer. I, I, I always did love roller coasters. You know what? I was afraid of heights. I, I am a adrenaline junkie, okay? It just, the more adrenaline, the better. So I love roller coasters. Can you imagine the roller coaster ride they were getting in the boat that night? That boat, the, 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 the description that the Bible uses tells us that that boat was really on the verge of being completely destroyed. It was being so tossed about. And I can guarantee you there were some who thought, if I can just stay in the boat, I'll be safe. But wait a minute. 
The boat is getting tossed about and almost ruined, and yet here's Jesus. And when the Bible says he's walking on water, there's this idea that he is not just kind of, whoa, this is Jesus, and I hope he can keep his balance and he doesn't fall. But the Bible uses terminology that says he's just walking like you and I would walk every single day. This Jesus walking on the water. Don't get a picture of Jesus walking on the water like this. Oh, I hope I can make it to you guys. If, if Jesus were walking like that, how could he say, hey, be of good cheer, be not afraid, it is I. He's standing solid, like a rock, because he is. They're back in the boat, they don't want to get out because that's where they think they're safe. But Peter's walking on water like Jesus. Guess what? His life's stable right now. Those guys are getting rocked on the boat. But Peter's life Everybody else thinks he's crazy. But Peter's just strolling to Jesus. There's no sense whatsoever that, G that Peter was struggling to keep his balance on the water. That he's trying to make it to Jesus. Just as Jesus was walking rock solid on the water, Peter's walking to Jesus rock solid towards Jesus. In the boat, that thing's getting ready to be destroyed. But everybody in the boat thinks, if I can just stay in the boat, I'm safe. But really, who's the stable one? Who's the one standing on firm ground, so to speak, even though it's water? Not the guys in the boat. Disney World, Six Flags, Universal Studios, they can't come up with a roller coaster ride like that one. But Peter, here I come. Eyes on Jesus. Jesus is standing firm, he's rock solid. And I just want to encourage you, as you take a step of faith this week, and you're praying about these cards, calling unto the Lord and confirming it in his word, carrying out your part, conquering the impossible. Don't get a, six, a month into this or six months into this and say, I've got this. Because guess what? You don't. And you never did. Not if you're doing it by faith. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Logic dictates then I can do nothing by myself. I don't even need logic. Jesus confirmed it. Without me, you can do nothing. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Be careful because if you don't, there's consequences. What are the consequences? Just quickly think about them with me. First of all, you're going to get fearful. What happened? Jesus, Peter's walking towards Jesus. He's looking at Jesus. When you walk towards a person, you're looking at him. You're keeping your eyes on the prize. But, but all of a sudden, Peter takes his eyes off of Jesus because the Bible says in verse number 30, he saw the wind boisterous and was afraid. You take your eyes off of Jesus when you're walking by faith, you're going to imagine all kinds of difficulties. You're going to imagine all kinds of problems. You're going to imagine you see things you can't even see because you can't see the wind. 
So be careful to keep your eyes on Jesus because if you don't, one of the consequences is you'll be fearful. And when you become fearful, your fear begins to conquer your faith. And the inevitable step for that, for the next step for a Christian is failure. What happened when Peter took his eyes off of Jesus? He saw the wind boisterous, he began to be afraid, and then, and then, he began to sink. And you and I look and we say, whoa, Peter, that's awesome. You walked on water, well done. But when Peter gets to Jesus, he doesn't hear well done. When Peter gets to Jesus, Jesus looks at him and he says, Oh, thou little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? You would think he would have said, Well done. Nobody's ever walked on water before, Peter. Well done. But it wasn't well done. Because when he stopped walking by faith, Jesus couldn't be pleased. Because without faith, it is impossible to please him. And I don't know about you, but when I see Jesus face to face, oh man, I want to hear, well done. I don't want to hear, oh ye of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? The truth of the matter is, I am more prone to doubt than I am to faith. I'm like the man who said to Jesus, I believe, help thou my unbelief. That's who I am. And if Peter had faith to walk on water and that was little faith, then mine's microscopic. But somehow, you and I can keep coming back because a righteous man falleth seven times but gets up again. Fall seven times, get up eight. Fall eight times, get up nine. It's not the falling part. It's the getting up part. You've only totally and utterly failed if you don't get back up. And you and I are promised that if we will get back up and continue to walk by faith, we can, we can get to that place where when we see Jesus, well done, good and faithful servant. And God's brutally honest. I think some of us are think we're going to get to heaven and it's not going to be, Oh, ye of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And it may not be well done. We think it's going to be something like, well, almost. But there's not any almost. As I read my Bible, there's two choices, two responses from the Lord. Well done, good and faithful servant. And to be faithful, you have to exercise faith. Or, oh, you have little faith. Wherefore didst thou doubt? I don't know about you, but I'm not going to be able to say to Jesus, well, I thought you were like Google and I wasn't sure. No, I'm sure. So sure he's my savior and I'm on my way to heaven tonight because I have placed my faith and trust in him and him alone. I want to hear well done. 
And you and I are called to walk by faith. And you might be walking by faith right now, but would you please, 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 please keep your eyes on Jesus? Because it won't be long before you realize, oh man, what am I doing out here? This is crazy. And the next step is failure. And you begin to sink. Tomorrow, if the Lord lets us, we'll continue to look at Peter and his walk of faith. But I'm going to ask you again tonight, just before Pastor comes and closes the service, would you please take this card? Before you go to bed tonight, would you just get with the Lord? Lord, what do you want me to do? Because people like Brother Hornbeck have to, have to stay on the field. And the truth of the matter is we need to get others to the field. What do you want me to do? And Lord, boy, I, I could sure use an answer by Sunday. Would you show me from your word? Would you, would you confirm a number in my heart? I hope you believe tonight that God can confirm a number in your heart by his word. That he can show you what he wants you to do. If he, can, if he can confirm in your heart that you're on your way to heaven by his word, I hope you understand that a little bit of math isn't too hard. Lord, what would you have me to do? Would you confirm it in your word? And then, Lord, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. Because, God, I want to conquer the impossible, but I can't do it without you. So, Lord, would you remind me as I'm walking would you remind me as I'm walking to be careful to keep my eyes on Jesus? Our Father, we ask you to please take what you have given to us from your word this evening. And Lord, just use it in our hearts. And Lord, help us this week to determine that, Lord, we don't want to have just a little bit of faith. But that, Lord, even though it's only a little that it is required, it seems, was enough for Peter to walk on water. Lord, we want to walk by faith in a way that when we get to you and we see you, we can hear those sweet words, well done, good and faithful servant. Bless this invitation time as pastor leads us and closes the service as he sees fit. In Jesus' name.